They're bringing it back. They're bringing it back. I can't believe it. I'm floored, stunned. I'm stunned because I really didn't think they would. I'm stunned, but I also totally thought they would. Really? Yeah. I thought Helen Hunt was crazy for going on TV saying they're try- just trying to come up with the right idea. You don't talk about it unless you're doing it, baby. I guess that's true, but why? if you're doing it, then why would you keep talking about it and say, well, we don't have an idea yet? It's Schrodinger's TV show. You don't... What's the deal with that cat? <laughs> <laughs> he eats lasagna? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Schrodinger's Garfield. He doesn't like time. Yeah, Mondays do and do not exist inside the box unless there's a calendar in there also. Welcome to Mad About Mad About You, your Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And John, are you excited about this reboot for Mad About You? Because that's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I was about just going to say, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> they're bringing it, it back, been, baby. They're bringing it back. Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt have officially signed on to bring it back. Where it's going to be, we don't know And yet. Danny Jacobson. And Danny Jacobson. And Sony Beautiful. is producing. Sony's producing, I yes. mean, that's all you need. There you go. Because they're pretty big. It'll, uh, one of the biggest, Sony's a really big company. I have heard of Sony. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of money there to be had. <laughs> I think they could build a small fake apartment. <laughs> so how do we... Okay, so how do we get on Mad About You? Russ, it's what I've turned... My apartment is now just a brainstorming... It's going to, in a week, it'll look like the wall from Homeland because... I was going to say, I can see your back wall and there's uh, already a series of thumbtacks and string. A lot of yarn. A lot of yarn. They all lead back to Richard Kind. (laughs) That's, we got to call in all of our calls that used to be like, yeah, what are they doing now? They're doing nothing. We'll just get to them whenever. All of a sudden, it's just like, we have pressing information we need to get to. (laughs) Yeah, we have to call everyone. Get Layla Kenzel on the phone now. (laughs) Yeah, right. Before she leaves her practice. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Family therapist. Licensed therapist. Oh, I wonder if she'll come back. Fran Devenow. She's got to. They both got to. No, they don't. But. No, I mean, it'll be really fun. But I hear you. It'll be really fun. I would love it if they did. Oh, you know, it'll be really tragic. What's that? If Sylvia comes back. As a widow, I, they'll they'll figure something out. Well, I think that's what it would be. Yes, that, they're not going to recast him like Hal. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right. What if they recast him with the guy from the Christopher Guest movies, the British guy? They yeah, the guy who played the other Hal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just the alternate husband for all. Hello, <laughs> it's your father, it's your father Bert, Bert. Bert Buckman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for this, you made me come across town. <laughs> I think I used to think I did a decent posh accent. And then at one point I was just like, no, this is not good. I took a dialects class and I, I did it. And they were just like, no, you're kind of doing standard American. I'm like, really? My world is coming crashing down around me. Huh. Isn't that funny? Isn't that a great segment of this show? Yeah. Isn't that worth mentioning yeah. that I thought I did good accents and then it turns <laughs> out I don't do good accents? <laughs> Let the audience judge. You already did one. <laughs> Everyone tweet at Russ. Good or bad posh accent? That, please do. This episode of Mad About You, well, we're in episode 51 of Mad About Mad About You. The countdown to 100 begins now. The count up. And Yes, the count up. That's right. And it is, we're talking about season three, episode five of Mad About You, titled Legacy. Yeah. No play on words here. 
No. And also a very serious, big, profound word. Yeah, this is a thematic. There's no pun. Nope. I feel like the title of this episode kind of, I mean, it's clear that that's what the episode is about, but it's also, like you said, it's profound. Nothing that heightened is used in the episode itself. The episode is about great large themes, though. Yes, but as far as language goes. Oh, sure. Yes. You know what I mean? No highfalutin Um, words. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Legacy's as big as it gets. Yeah, it's still Louis Zurich playing Burt Buckman. It's yeah. not. Oh, they didn't have me run into my dictionary nonstop. Yeah, it's not Jim Piddick. I always Brit. watch Mad About yeah. You the dictionary. <laughs> Paul, come sit. <laughs> sit, uh, sit Which the, of those uh, words are you looking up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, nuts, John. You got me. <laughs> he's posh, but he's an idiot. He's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> sit, sit. Oh, man. oh, sit. I knew that. <laughs> oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> oh, wait. No, I'm not. Now I am. Now I am. Yeah, I've got it. I've ironed out sit. <laughs> so this episode premiered on October 20th, 1994. And you're Pygmalion. You teach Eliza to talk and she teaches you to sit. <laughs> Everybody learns something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> I was trying to think of that. Did I ask about TV Guide yet? No. Unless okay. you just did. And I, I may have. That it. may have been the question that you All right, just... Well, I may I'll be answering answer. your question. Go ahead. Jamie's PR work for her father-in-law leads to a business, but Paul wonders if his career is moving at all. Huh. That's... I like okay. it. Okay. I do, too. Because it could have said... It could have there mentioned There are a lot of ways plot. this could go. Yeah. yeah. But it mentions our main characters. Yeah. It builds it around our main characters. Which is where... Yeah. And their deal is... I want to say the root of the episode, but it's, I don't know if it's the root of the episode, but it's. I think it's the tree. Sh- sh- yes. The bran- okay. Like, I think it's Bert's the, the roots in a way. Well, roots feel like yeah. an inciting incident to me or something. Yeah. Or the, you know, the core. I do wish it just said Jamie does PR work for her father-in-law and Paul wonders, oh, but I see you have to juxtapose it by saying it leads to a business while Paul's isn't moving at all. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Well done. Touche. You have to sex in the city it a little bit. Yeah. Jamie's PR work to a business, but Paul wonders if all his films are misses. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, while Jamie was dealing with more hits than misses, Paul's misses was moving in the right direction. <laughs> I couldn't help but wonder, should Russ have stopped talking a minute and a half ago? <laughs> well, anyway, they passed the bar this week. <laughs> Yeah. How'd you like this episode? I loved it. I did too. It's what I complained about last week, remember? I was like, boy, you know, I really miss those dense, hard-hitting episodes from season yeah. one. And then yeah. here we go. I teared up at least once. There's a lot going on And in this I laughed episode. very hard if you, like, yeah, very there, hard. There are a lot of great moments. I liked this one a lot initially, and it got better the more I saw yeah, it. Yeah, same. Yeah, really, really nice. Loved it. Well, what else uh, was I in store for on TV? You're watching NBC. Well, we continue on through Thursday nights on NBC. We've finished up the Chaka Block comedy block. And we're going to have to do it again. Right? Because it changes. Well, we'll do different things. Like, we're not going to do another focus on Seinfeld on the podcast, for instance. I was really hoping we were. Nope. Okay. Find a new partner. I I will. (laughs) 
We'll see if there's a if there's a huge episode. No, hey, listen, don't do me any favors. What do you think this podcast is? <laughs> I don't remember. You were like, Russ, please, please, <laughs> Russ. Oh, I think it went a little differently. <laughs> so, I love that trope. I wonder if there's any Mad About You tr- uh, episodes like that. What, where? Uh, where they both, everyone's talking about an incident, and then they all remember it very differently. A Rashomon. Yep. Thank you. Wait, have we already had one? We talked about we talked one. Ab- Oh, we talked about it because of the news. We talked about a news segment that seemed like a Rashomon, but also wasn't. Wasn't. That's right. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if we're going to get one of those. see if there's a Rashomon episode of Mad About I'll be you. very excited if there is. They're Me very too. fun. Before we touch on the actual show that we're going to talk about, besides Mad About You, Mad Men of the People this week, the episode was titled Till Death Do Us Part. Okay. Which was the title of the Mad About You episode from two weeks ago. Oh, I wonder if it's ago. a reference to that. To that? Probably. <laughs> That is very close for two episodes of the same name. Yeah. The episode on October 6th was Till Death Do Us Part. That's for Mad About You. Here it is, October 20th. And wow. Mad Men of the People, Till Death Do Us Part. How about that? Yeah, we have a real uh, Carlos Mencia situation here. I think so. Well, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. you can't write an episode about marriage. Dabney Coleman's first line is, man, here I am, Paul Buckman, <laughs> a madman of the people. <laughs> Mad about you, man of the people. <laughs> but that was at 9.30. The hell with 9.30, because at 10 o'clock, NBC, it's time for ER. Mm. Ah. Mm. Watched it till the end. Did you really? Absolutely. Watched that's the a series lot. finale live. That's a lot. And you watched all the... I mean, like, I missed I, a lot in the middle, but I think I, I caught... <laughs> I think I managed to... Well, cut so me you, a little slack. You didn't watch it till the end. You watched it and also the end. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I saw it all. There's a lot in there. No, I know, but I mean, if someone threw plot points at me, I think I'd recognize all of them. That's kind of all I wanted to do with this segment. I don't care about this episode. The episode was called Chicago Heat. The AC is broken. There's a heat wave. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That rings a a bell. That rings a bell. It's fun. It's fine. But like, whatever. They're all on Hulu, everyone, if you want to check them out. Yes. But like, what a so much happened in this show. It's unbelievable. A million different characters. Yes. It's insane that they made one a week. Yes. And uh, like they had, who else? They, I remember the Ewan McGregor episode. I don't. Do you remember that one? No. Where, <laughs> where Hathaway. Yeah. Where Hathaway goes. Is Who's in a Hathaway? Store. Uh, oh <laughs> Just <boy>. kidding. <sighs> where Juliana Margulies is in a convenience store and it gets. Robbed. Gets robbed yeah. by Ewan McGregor. That's right. And then he kidnaps her and then. Yep. Wait, and really? They, I, well, he like, he falls for her. Oh, I was making whatever, a joke. Like, no, he like he because there's a movie where he kidnaps like Charlie Theron or something. That sounds right. That was one of the Star Wars prequels, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's the only good one <laughs> where Obi Wan kidnaps <laughs> where Obi Wan kidnaps Eileen Warrenos. Yeah, I don't the get monster, it. Oh, the yeah. serial killer from Monster. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Doctor Green brings his kid to work. Yep, that's what happens in this one. I mean, I don't remember a lot of the cases, to be honest, because there's sure. just two. There's like four an episode. Yeah. And there's 16 there's seasons or whatever, 15 seasons. Who, who was your favorite doctor? When I was a kid, it started with Dr. Green. Mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards. And a little Dr. Benton, Eric LaSalle. That's so interesting. I know, I know. It's because I respected Eric him. Eric LaSalle, you respected him. That's so funny. Yeah, because he was such a hard ass on Noah Wiley. Yeah, he was. And I had a crush on Nurse Hathaway. Sure. I had a crush on Sherry Stringfield. I did that too. Yeah. Once Noah Wiley got a crush on her, I was like, okay, sure, me too. (laughs) You took all of your... He's cool, I'm cool. (laughs) Yeah. 
all of your leads in love were just <laughs> based on Noah Wiley. Oh, and I I love George Clooney, I guess, but the kid plots made me more sad, I think. So I was, you know, I because he's a pediatrician. I was always like, look, clearly he's the standout in the breakaway and was wonderful on the show. Uh-huh. But like, I'm like, why is everybody freaking out about George Clooney? Anthony Edwards is so great. That's He's true, your though. guy. Well, they're both your guy. I mean, look, they may have both been your guy, but think about their like George Clooney wins ER. Well, Anthony Edwards isn't a movie star per se. That's why George Clooney wins ER. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you're right. Nobody else became a movie star from that show, did they? No. You know what was really fun, what I loved about that show? What's that? Or the phase I loved is when they started getting these cool guest actors mm-hmm. who stuck around for a while. Like John yeah. Stamos was a new doctor for a long time, and he was yeah. great. Yeah. John Leguizamo was a new doctor for a long time, and he was great. I like how you're saying, like, uh, they had these guest actors who'd stick around for a while. I was like, do you mean when the show wore out its welcome around season nine and they had to just plug cast holes? Yeah. And so they were like, uh, Jesse Katsopoulos, you're a doctor now. Yeah, but they plugged them with great people. They did. So who cares? So who cares? If I got a hole in a tugboat and they plug it with a yacht, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going back to land. (laughs) You are truly the master of analogy. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's real funny. This show taught me about medicine. It taught me about yeah the challenges of running a hospital. Mm-hmm. It's a great. It was the challenge. Of what? What? Are you, oh my gosh! They also had one of the weirdest things on any show with this show because what was? Oh gosh, the red-haired bald actor who was like red the hair mean doctor. and bald. <laughs> are you talking yeah. about the surgeon where the helicopter landed on him? That's that's and the he had one. to get his hand reconstructed. Well, that's the thing with him, and he got Is it reconstructed. That- in one worked. season, yeah, they were like, okay, go out there. You've got to go and get this person off of a helicopter. And the helicopter blades cut his arm off. I thought the helicopter falls on him. That happens later. Oh, this guy in helicopters. Seasons later, yeah. they were like, hey, you remember when a... That's called heightening, I Wait, guess. Wait, hold on, They're like, Remember his when a helicopter... cut off twice? No, his hand gets cut off once. Okay. And he has oh, and he dies with a second hand. Time. And then the second time, a helicopter crashes on him. And he dies. And he dies. Okay. Like, it's just, what's up with this guy? I know, this guy needs to steer clear. <laughs> they were like, yeah, just, okay, so what's worse than a <laughs> helicopter cutting your hand off? We got to write you off. Uh, what else can a helicopter do, I guess? We've got a very narrow box. Remember his name. And I'm looking at a cast list. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. William H. Macy played Morgenstern. That's right. He sure did. He was great. He was. I can't remember this guy's name. And there's such a Something with an R. That doesn't even help. There's so many doctors. I know the actor was also in fame. Also, it was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing doing. It was also interesting to see... Google ER book and helicopter. Yeah. Oh, that too, yeah. Oh, Paul McCrane, that's right. There it is. Yeah. You were going to say something. Seeing Dr. Benton deal with having a deaf child. Yep. Hadn't seen that on TV before. That's true. And that also, they brought up the conflict in the deaf community, because in the deaf that's community, there's right. a lot of, You know, there's a big thing about whether it's like, being deaf is part of my identity. Right. I do not need or want cochlear implants or right. to be in a hearing world. I want you to respect me as a deaf person. This is who I am. Yeah. It got into that. Yeah. And Dr. Benton was just like, why would anybody want that? I just want you to hear, period, the end. Yeah. 
I've got friends who are deaf, and that's a big thing. Right. Very interesting to see it. That's right. This show got me issues. It did. It was it's all of it's them. Good from the deaf community to people who have had helicopters do terrible things to them <laughs> yeah, on multiple and everything occasions. Everything in between. All the bases are covered. Great oh, stuff. Love you. ER, check it out on Hulu. You can't go wrong. You could probably go wrong. There are a few seasons in the middle. Wrong is probably you the haven't way you seen would go. them, right? I have not. So you don't know what the hell you're talking about. So right? I shouldn't judge. No. So They're all great. Shut the hell up. Yeah. The middle episodes oh my God. are great. Oh my god! And then I remember when Doctor when I I'm pretty sure I cried when Doctor Green died. Oh, of course. It was, it was good stuff. Good my stuff. Bu- <laughs> I got a buddy who can. I have a friend who has the most fun talent. He just remembers every monologue from everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we were all out one night after an improv show uh-huh. at a uh, bar near UCB, uh, okay. McManus. Yep. And somehow ER came up, and I was like, "Do the Doctor Green scene," and he did it. <laughs> I record. I have it on an audio clip somewhere. Put he it in right it here if you can find nowhere. it. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't even remember it now from hearing him do it. <laughs> That's great. But I remember it's also, it, oh, I don't know if it repopularized, but he dies and then they play that uh, ukulele version of uh, Somewhere, Somewhere Over the, the Rainbow. Rainbow. Right. That's always big. Oh, that's, oh, no, he doesn't. It's that montage to that song of him dying. Okay, sure. Spending time with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Boy, oh boy. ER, love it. Thanks for the memories, ER. Yeah. <laughs> this is Bob Hope. <laughs> John, what was in the news? From WNBC TV, this is News for New York with Chuck Scarborough and Pat Harper. Oh, you know, not a lot. Okay. Yeah, it was a bit of a slow news week, but I don't know if this will become a tradition, but Stateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Bystanders joined to trap robber at an east side cash machine. Newsflash, there's a stabbing in here at some point. Uh-oh. <laughs> we do one of those a week now. <laughs> Lending, this is about a, a, you know, a New York hero. Lending a hand is nothing new to Scott Robeson. At 6.30 every morning, he stops at Richard Stagner's Manhattan newsstand at 60th and Lexington Ave to help Mr. Stagner untie newspaper bundles. What a mensch. He doesn't work for the company? <laughs> Goodness of my heart, I'm going to help you untie these newspaper bundles. Do you think he hates his family? <laughs> Probably, He's yeah. like, I got to go, I got to go. <laughs> I, I got to, where are you going all the time? I got to I got to help him untie newspaper <laughs> yeah. bundles. Yeah. yeah, can't he cut them? Yeah, he he could, but uh, yeah, you know, no hates hates blades. Yeah, hates blades hates scissors. <laughs> well, if he hates blades, he's in for a. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to go well. Yeah, actually, it's not. So yesterday, when Mr. Robeson made his usual stop at the newsstand, he and Mr. Stagner were called on for a more urgent sort of help. Chance to defy that blah blah blah. The New York Times is getting florid. And as the victim tumbled out of the bank's door, the two barricaded the robber inside the lot. Uh oh. I thought I was skipping the dumb stuff, and I skipped the good stuff. Mr. Robeson spotted a robber stabbing a man at an ATM, <laughs> which is horrifying. I, I shouldn't be laughing. Yes. <laughs> he survived, and as Russ put it last week, if they survive, Great. it's funny. Let's laugh. Yeah. The sort of place where, like the dark alleys of earlier times, people look anxiously over their shoulders, and as the victim tumbled out the bank's door... The two barricaded the robber inside the lobby until the police arrived. Holy cow. I know, right? When Mr. Robeson, who lives in Austin, in New York, and arrived at the newsstand. Oh, he's the delivery guy. That makes sense. Okay. Mr. Stagner pointed out a man he said had been loitering, fearing he was about to get robbed. He asked Mr. Robeson, oh, the super of a nearby apartment building. Oh, he doesn't deliver papers. Boy, this guy's got quite a life. 
He schleps in from Austining every morning because he's the super of a building? I don't know. I think that's what it is. What a hmm. pain. Don't you get free rent usually if you're a super? I think you take free rent if you're a super. <laughs> what does that mean? I think you just live for free. Yeah, but this guy doesn't. What a good guy. Well, I don't know. I don't know what it's... Uh, what he's it's paying up. his fair share. This guy's interesting. Anyway, moments later, he anyway. peered into the window of an ATM <laughs> lobby at Chemical Bank a few yards away and saw the loiterer standing behind an older man who was withdrawing cash from one of the machines. Suddenly, he pulled out a knife in a classical arc position like Hamlet. What? <laughs> what a reference. What a reference, and also just like, we all know Hamlet, and we all know the way that the stabbing is choreographed and staged in Hamlet. I think he's so talking we... about the Laurence Olivier version. Maybe. From Last Action Hero. Because <laughs> the stabbing <laughs> clip's in that, so that popularized it. Sure, and that, that came right. out around the time of this story. I wonder if that's what he's referencing. I don't know. The guy sees the knife calming down. Does he say, is there a parenthetical about the Mel Gibson version? Uh, Huh, last action here is Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I know that. I'm talking oh, the about Mel Gibson Hamlet. Hamlet. How's the stabbing in that yeah. one go? <laughs> I'm not sure, but I know there's broadswords. Well, you're not getting a good classical arc position with a broadsword, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, no. Hell no. With a broadsword, you're going to ram. You're going to look like a real idiot. Yeah, you're going to have to ram it. <laughs> arc positions and broadswords. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to take you seriously as a writer? <laughs> you got a story about a stage fighting coach from college? <laughs> Uh, the guy sees the knife coming down at him, and there's a tremendous commotion. The guy falls on the floor, and dollars go flying all over the place. Oh, my goodness. The victim of the robbery identified as Lawrence Black, 65, from Long Island. What's he doing at an ATM at 6.30 in the morning on the Upper East Side? People need money. At 6.30 in the morning? He lives in Long Island. Do you think he was seeing a hooker? Yep. I like that it's like, if it had been 2 o'clock in the morning, that's maybe he's seeing a hooker time. 6.30 no. is actually is like more the next day, where it's just like, I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to go see a morning hooker. I mean, very early. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got I got hit the sack early tonight. <laughs> I'm seeing a hooker in the morning. <laughs> also, sex work is work. God bless everybody. Anyway, continue. <laughs> As the attacker bent down... Wait, standing on the sidewalk, bleeding from several wounds. He was, oh, this is sad. He was yelling and crying, help, I've been stabbed, help, I've been stabbed. The attacker bent down to collect the $20 bills scattered about the lobby. Mr. I thought you were going to say the attacker bent down to help him. Oh, that would have been amazing. Uh, no. Oh, you're yelling? Oh, my, oh, no. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. How'd this happen? Mr. Robeson leaned his weight against the lobby door, which opens outward. And Mr. Stagner, a large man, joined him in holding it closed. When passers-by, boy, the Upper East Side at 6.30 a.m. was like... Jumping. Yeah. Who has sold several newspapers in the neighborhood for more than two decades. <laughs> a lot of people are going to get hookers. Yeah. <laughs> several of them quickly joined in. I mean, isn't that this is such a scene? All these yeah. neighborhood guys trying to keep a bank door closed to keep this robber trapped. Mr. Stegner said it took a gamble to try to catch the man. He had a big knife, a butcher knife. But they were more than confident of their chances. It's a one-inch plexiglass door, bulletproof. I knew he wasn't going anywhere. He tried to ram the door physically, but to no avail. He took a garbage can and threw it against the door, and that bounced off. One of the people holding the door ran down the stairs a few yards away into the 59th Street Station and found transit officer Joseph Zampua. <laughs> it could be Zampua. That's like a scene from a cop movie, right? Zampua! It's Zampua. It's Zampua. I don't care. <laughs> Called for an ambulance for Mr. Black and arrested the man in the AT. Boy, transit officers are like... This Get guy took done. care of business. Yeah. Love it. And he survived. Well, good. Yeah. The, so Mr. Robeson was deemed their local hero. 
Yeah, he was the center of attention at Carmichael's restaurant, half a block from the bank. Everyone's buying him drinks, the bartender said. Aw. Isn't that sweet? Hey, That's this great. is New York, said James Carpone, a courier. I wouldn't really expect it in this neighborhood, but it could happen in any neighborhood. I wouldn't expect it here, but anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Schrodinger's theory of crime. <laughs> Ooh, Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Is Mr. Softy a scofflaw? Oh, my goodness. They arrested Mr. Softy yesterday. Oh. More precisely, they arrested 61-year-old Carlos Marrero of the Bronx. Who had For the crimes against the heat? I mean, there are so many articles about food vendors getting in trouble in New York in the mid-90s. Yeah. It's insane. Because there's also, there's a lot of weeks we've had where we've bounced between violent crimes mm-hmm. and then... And food people. Yeah. And crooked food, <laughs> food crooked people. food vendors. Yeah, that's right. He had the misfortune or bad judgment to park his Mr. Softy truck at a bus stop on West 125th, which is stupid. Don't do that. (laughs) You can't park at a bus stop. Police officers were in the neighborhood for a second day of a crackdown on peddlers. In the words of the arresting officer, Griselda Espinal, I observed that the ice cream truck inspection sticker had expired, and he was standing in a bus stop on 125th Street of Lenox Avenue. We asked him for his paperwork and for his credentials. I love how cops talk so professionally. Sure. They must be trained, right? Yeah, I think cops go through some training. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? But their diction is very specific when they're talking about things that occurrences, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they need to know the protocol and they need to know the language of the protocol. Yeah, but it's not like this bozo was double parked at a bus stop. (laughs) No. Well, no, they don't write for the post. And his tag was old. So I slapped him with a ticket. (laughs) (laughs) No, they need to. I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is the fact that they know they're going to have to speak to the press and they need You're to right. come off well. You have to, yeah, you have to speak properly to the press. He and the truck were taken. To yeah, the I pl- mean, look, but when he gets home, he talks to his friends about this bozo that he ticketed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're talking to the press and they're like, uh, the apprehended was apprehended at. Yeah. Well, that's right. He calls him the apprehended and uh, then uses the verb apprehended <laughs> because he's a smart guy, but he's not too smart. Yeah, of a guy. yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of guy this guy is. Also, Russ, this guy's a female cop. What? (laughs) I can't arrest you. You're my son. You're my son. (laughs) He and the truck driver were taken to the 28th Precinct Station House in Central Harlem, where Officer Espinal faced the good-natured kidding of colleagues. They asked whether, before she had arrested the ice cream vendor, she had said freeze. Great. Good one, They fellas. think that she's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> she said she had not. <laughs> but I guess we'll never know the truth. I like that that made it in. Versus like, there's this question. She said no. We, <laughs> we're going to include this joke in our <laughs> recounting of the situation. Yeah, you know, you got to keep it a little, uh, you got to have a little light. fun with it. You know what I mean? A little levity. A little levity. That's it. I got a third story, but it's boring. Okay. That's all the news well, that's great. fit to print this week. It's been a... Uh, I mean, there was a lot of horrible news. Sure. But we don't cover that, so... Sure. <laughs> we cover we'll mildly do... horrible. We don't cover... <laughs> One week we'll do horrible news. We'll have a horrible news Well, show. I feel like we tried that a few times, and it was not a success. <laughs> I recall cutting out large chunks... Sure. ...of a few episodes. Okay. <laughs> oh, we talked about that last week, didn't we? I think we did. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's do it, sir. Who directed, who wrote? David Steinberg. Beautiful. Directed. Jewish Steve Martin. This guy might He's have a longer again. streak than Barnett Kelman. 
I think you're right. Yeah. He's our guy. He's been dethroned. The Burger King no longer. No, no longer reigns. No longer. The Burger King is dead. Long live the Burger King. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, long, absolutely. Long live the Burger King. But he is no longer king. Right. Yes. Yeah. Just so we're clear. <laughs> uh, and it was written by Jeff. The teleplay was by Jeffrey Lane. And the story was by Jeffrey Lane and Steve Pamer. And what I wrote in all caps next to it, this is going to be good. There you go. This is gonna, You know, it's going to be a good classic. It's going to have a, a mix of like vaudeville jokes. And some hard-hitting writing. I like the idea of Steve Pamer like having part of the story idea. And he's just like, oh, great. This is great. Hey, you want to write this with me? He's like, no, nah, I can't. You do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, yeah. And then he puts another coin in the batting cage he's playing. <laughs> now knock off. I don't know. Uh, something about, they're like, okay, so Jamie wants to open a PR thing again. He's like, yeah, and maybe it'll uh, take place in the sporting goods store. Whack. Like, okay, great. Like, what do they say? I don't know. Don't bother me. Whack. <laughs> I also wrote, I love this episode in bold, all caps, with two exclamation points. Yeah, I also, I loved this one very, very much. Point or mark? I say point. I say both. Exclamation point, question mark. Oh, I like that. Well, the, you like it because it's what those things are called. But similarly, I think if you Perhaps. said excla- I think if you said exclamation mark, people would know what you're talking about. If you said question point, <laughs> you'd be summarily committed. Well, to a it sounds like you're about to ask a question that makes a point. <laughs> I've got a question point. Question point. Shouldn't we be doing something about? <laughs> Great. Yeah, so, wait, we get a... Do we get a... Oh, it's weird. I said cold open. It but, is weird. But it's a weird... So there's no opening theme song in this one. There's no opening theme song. But the cold... The first scene is played as a cold open. Yes, there is a cold open, and then there's just a title card that says Mad About You, yeah. and then the episode proper begins. Yeah. But over the cold open, we get the names Paul Reiser right. and Helen Hunt on the We screen. get the opening sequence titles that we'd normally get. Right. With the if same you, animation, sort of. Yeah. But instead of the theme song, it's a cold open. Yeah. If you're looking for bongos and pianos, look elsewhere. Yeah. You're not going to get it today. I love bongos. Me too. Who doesn't love bongos? A lot of people. Yeah. More people than uh, yeah, those more who people. do love bongos. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in an empty apartment. Murray's chilling out. And the answering machine picks up. It's Jamie. And right then we see Paul is trying to get it through the door so we can pick up the phone. And she's calling because they're friends, Debbie and Jim, which we never hear about friends. Right. Paul is yelling, don't hang up, don't hang up, because he's going to go answer the phone. Yeah. And she's like, they want us to come over and watch their wedding video. <laughs> and he doesn't pick up. He, and he tells Murray he never saw I him. was never here. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but I could never do this in real life. What's that? I would have to say I... Well, I don't know now. That'd be a stupid move, wouldn't it? <laughs> what could you never do in real life? I thought I could. I said I wrote. I can't keep secrets like this. Which secret? That he avoided picking up the phone because he didn't want to go see that wedding video. Even that is too big of a secret. You would tell. Well, it's just like a weird little would one Jamie. that would gnaw at you, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I. Yeah, I, I gotta get probably... more comfortable with lying. Like, what's his name from Crimes and Misdemeanors? <laughs> <laughs> Martin Landau. Martin Lando from Crimes and Misdemeanors is your go-to liar. Yeah, he's my moral compass. <laughs> well, it worked out great for him. Yeah. <laughs> sure did. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I always feel like I end up spilling the beans later. Like, if I did this later, I'd be like, I just didn't want to go and I didn't pick up. 
I think if those are the beans you're going to spill, I think those are okay beans to spill. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> would, would, would We're not like married. This come back? Yeah, would this come back and, and bite you pretty hard, you think? I have no idea. Uh, an issue like this has never come up. Maybe because I'm not married. Sure. Maybe because I don't have an answering machine. Oh, I do on my phone, actually. Never mind. But yeah, you can't yeah. screen calls in the same way. No. In the old days, you could screen based on the subject matter, but now it's just based on the person. I remember talking to, I remember recently people were talking about how hard it is to cold call. Uh huh. Now for like business, or it used to be just like, oh, you would call and say, hi, yes, do you need insurance? Or right. would you like a condo? Right. But now, what's the last time you answered the phone for a number that you didn't recognize? You're like, what's the last time you answered the phone for a number you did recognize? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I try to. What a sweetheart you are. Well, it's important. People reach out. You need to connect. You need to reach back. Yeah, I'll reach back. I'll connect on my own time. Thank you. <laughs> so we go to scene one. We're in the kitchen and Jamie's cooking. Yeah. And she's cooking something weird. I wrote tacos, pastries, or empanadas. I think none of the above. Oh, right, because then we find out it's Chinese food. Yeah, she's making egg rolls. Is that what she's making? Yep. But it says fold the recipe she reads out loud says fold the ends like a flag. Oh, the ends are folded like a flag on an egg roll, aren't they? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that famous Robert De Niro quote. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, fold, fold the ends. Fold the yeah, goes, people don't they, know. They look a little bit like a flag. The line before that. Hey, Bobby. <laughs> don't the ends these... of these egg rolls look like the way a flag's folded? Hey, Henry. Uh, these <laughs> egg rolls. These look, like, uh, these look like flags at the end, don't they? I don't even know which movie that's from, a little bit. I don't think it's Taxi Driver. No, I think it's Goodfellas. Is it Goodfellas? I think so. I think it's something about insulted him a little bit. I know it's also in, what's it called? I mean, they did it over and over again in, on SNL, but... Well, sure. But I'm pretty sure it's from Goodfellas, yeah. Okay. So Paul comes in. Oh, it seems like Paul's parents are coming over because she mentions it. So Paul comes in. He's wearing a super baggy suit because it's the 90s. Right. And, <laughs> and he had three did. interviews that day, which is yes. pretty good. Good day. Yeah. That's a good... So he's looking for a job. Yes. So Jamie's making Chinese food because Paul's parents love it. He says, why don't we just get takeout? And she goes, Empire raised the prices again. Mm -hmm. I think that's Empire Szechuan. Maybe. I don't know. Because they had locations all over the city back then. Okay. Yeah, it could be. They were the insiders of the famous menu wars. <laughs> that's true. The famous, the infamous menu infamous. wars. Infamous. So I think this is a, potentially the start of an, uh, another inciting incident. We'll have to keep our eyes Of a class war this things. time. <laughs> I love that they're like, they raised the prices. How much are they raising prices on Chinese food that it's becoming cost prohibitive to order it? I've seen that happen. If you raise everything yeah. like four bucks and you plan on getting three things, that's 12 extra bucks plus a tip. Look, that's true, but that's a significant increase. Yeah, Which, but I yeah, think I mean, that's look, what it, places do. You think that's what they're doing? In okay. New York. Sure. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that. Maybe not four. Okay. Well, no, four bucks a dip. I'm saying I'll see a price go up 20% maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But but for Chinese 30%. food, for Chinese food, twenty to thirty percent. The you're thing right. of you know, you're talking about two bucks. Well, if, if it's ten dollars, but if it's twelve, thirteen dollars, now we're talking three. That's bucks. true. But what? How many dishes are you getting? Twelve dollars. At least three. Well, for them, at least two. But if people are coming over, four maybe. I don't know. This is too many numbers and too many dishes. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Paul asked if Chinese food's cheaper, if getting deliveries cheaper, and Jamie says it was when I started. That's very funny. And this literally happened to me this week. Oh, yeah? My girlfriend and I have been trying to cook, and we were like, let's make a little stir-fry to save money. Spent yeah. 40 bucks. <laughs> As we're oh, checking no. out, I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing... I'm like, what are we, insane? But I get it. 
Right. The first time's always a lot, and then you reuse sure. a lot of it for. Yeah, and how? Yeah, how much did you? Right. You're, you're gonna have that stir fry for the next month and a half. Well, the next stir fry we make, we have most of the ingredients now, so it'll be like there five. Perfect. Bucks. There but, you go. Ooh, that moment was really killing me. Yeah. I'm spending forty bucks to eat, but also I gotta tell you, a lot better than restaurant stir fry. Oh yeah, good job. Because it was made with love. Ah. And no sure. MSG. <laughs> See, I love MSG and hate love. So. Oh, that is something they would do, though. So no, thank you. They'd make like some new preservative called Love. <laughs> and they'd be like made with love, except love kills you. <laughs> right. <laughs> twist. It's the Twilight Zone twist. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul calls his agent back. Jamie says his agent called. It gets put through to his car, which is cut off in a tunnel. So his agent lives in New Jersey, I guess. Yep. And his name's David, and he got a gig. And Jamie knew what the three interviews were, so she guesses which gig he got of the three. So, come on, which one did you get? I would like you to guess. The independent film with Harvey Keitel! (laughs) All right, the soap opera, but TV for directors, this is a... (laughs) That thing they show you when you get on the airplane about how to buckle up and find the exit and and get your best until you get outside the plane. Bingo! Yay! That's a great response. I love, I mean, obvi- the obvious thing. She does such a right. good job of increasing her enthusiasm mm-hmm. as the gig gets worse. Yes. It's very funny and very silly. It's so depressing also <laughs> to be Paul's up for res- those three jobs. Yeah. And to get, and get that, that one. one. Yeah. But also clearly he really, because we alluded to this before, we didn't know if he had interest in directing fiction. Right. And Looks he like. sure does. Yeah. That seems like the sort of thing where would they do a director for hire on a project like that? It's like independent film with Harvey Keitel. That seems so strange. It's like we've got. I mean, it'd be like something his friend would just direct or whatever. Uh, yeah, or he would do it. I feel. I, I feel don't like know if it he directs. Like a strange. Or I'll say one would do it. Yeah, right? but like maybe if, once you've met a bunch. Especially Maybe you're like, hey, in, what other directors are out there that I haven't met? But because it's an indie film, right. you don't think it'd be like, look, we've got a star. We're an independent film company. We've got a star attached to this work, to this piece. Right. All we need is the right director with the right fit. That never happened. I think, aren't indie films more about like, hey, you've got a writer-director, and then we're going to build a movie around it? No, that's one kind. Yeah. That's like an auteur indie, but there's many different types of indie film. Okay. You're clinging to an old paradigm, my friend. I get that all the time. It's the 90s. This is the age of Miramax. (laughs) Pulp Fiction's about to hit, baby. Yeah. No, I think it's reasonable to interview directors. Okay. Fair enough. He could have seen a script written by someone who wrote it and is a writer, and he said, I want to do this script, and then they attached a producer, and then they were like, well, now we need a director. I love how you're saying it's the age of Miramax, as if Miramax wasn't built on auteurs. Yeah, I like that, too. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You know, these directors for hire, like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) I got your point. I think we all got the point. (laughs) I I will say (laughs) touche. But I like how you assume everyone that writes a movie can also direct it. Yeah, that's uh, yes. We we all make assumptions, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we all got a little beat up in that exchange. Okay. <laughs> so we cut to dinner with the Buckmans, and I said it's so nice to have Bert back. So great, right? We haven't seen him in a while. We've seen Sylvia yeah. a lot, but not him. This is his best episode, far and away, thus far, or of yes. all time. Uh, I'll say the certainly thus far, right? Okay. Maybe all time. Wow, he's great. I mean, he's unbelievable. Yeah, I wrote Bert Bacharach. But I can't figure out a way to make that make sense. But it's fun. Well, look, it's nice to have Bert back. It's nice to have 
a rack of ribs. It's nice to have Bert back a rack of ribs. But that doesn't make sense either. No, you're right. It doesn't. Yeah, there's no sensible play on words here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we cut from the cooking to this first moment of the scene. Once more, Sylvia. Thanks, honey. It's a little oriental for me. (laughs) I died. I paused it because I couldn't stop laughing. That's a hell of a line. Oh, <laughs> I don't think you can say that anymore. I think Sylvia could say that still. I don't know. It's so it's strange because you don't hear the word normally when you hear the word oriental. It's a slur. Right. Because people are talking about people. Indivi- yeah. Yeah. Individuals. Talking about people. And then those individuals say you only use that when you're referring to food or yeah. or rugs. But now it's just like, hey, Sylvia, don't talk about this food that way. Use that word when you talk about food. Right, yeah. <laughs> also, I'm not sure if you do use it with food. I think it's only rugs. I don't think that's a thing. Rugs and mail order trading companies. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's only a matter of time till they come for the rugs. Uh, first they came for the people slur. Then they came for the food cuisine. Then they came for the rug style. Oh, and then we get... So Barnett used to like his organic... He used to like his moves motivated, his reveals of characters motivated by camera moves. Right. I think David, maybe. This is the first time he's done this, I think, but I got a real kick out of it. Bert shouts something behind him. Like, is it on yet? And we cut to a wide shot to see Ira's already been there the whole time, sitting on the couch. Right. Yes. Had no idea. It was fun. Very fun. So we learned that Buckman Sporting Goods, Bert's store, has a big sale once a year, a midnight mm-hmm. sale. And to advertise for it, he buys an ad out that runs once a year before that sale. I think that's so funny. It's so sweet. It's tradition. Yes. I love that it is tradition and also not a great business model. No. Real dumb. (laughs) I think. Yeah. Unless it's like the one time a year that Scientology buys an ad during the Super Bowl. Do they do that? Really? Yes. Interesting. Every year. And you can tell because like on Facebook on my on this day, every year I'm just like, hey, I'm joining Scientology. Ah, Looks pretty good. Time after time. (laughs) But yeah, unless you're buying a Super Bowl ad, then investing all of your money for one ad is probably not a great plan. So Bert wants to make sure Paul's going to be there to help with the sale. And mm-hmm. it didn't occur to me. And I wrote Paul's a little hurt, but I don't think it's hurt, but he's it's something. Yeah. The idea that Bert didn't just hire him to shoot the commercial. Yeah. Bert should have asked Paul or could have. But he's been using yeah. the same guy for like 40 years or 20 years or something. Everything's it's 20 a, years in this episode. Yeah. It is a funny, weird thing that he's just like, so what? I should just stop because my son's a director. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> but I feel yeah, like this other guy probably needs the business, especially because the commercial stinks. Look, that's true. This must be his only gig. <laughs> Could be. Once a year. His only once a year. Bird pays him forty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Then Sylvia kills me again. Jamie shares that Paul got a gig. Yeah. And Sylvia guesses. Actually, the Harvey Cartel, they went with somebody else. Good. I don't care for his penis. <laughs> On the piano. It was so unnecessary. What? You liked it? Mm-mm. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I mean, oh. That's real good. That's so funny. I, I don't even, I mean. 
It's a great line. It's a really funny line, really perfectly delivered. It's also funny because it's not I don't a know joke. If you heard, no, it's act. It's just her being her. Yeah, buried in the mix. I don't know if you heard, but when she says to Jamie, "What you like it?" Uh huh. Jamie says, "Uh uh-uh. uh." And Paul and says, Paul, "Yeah, you do, right?" Or something. Yeah, Paul goes, "Yeah, you do." Yeah, uh, yeah, right. I heard that. <laughs> I always thought he showed it in Bad Lieutenant, which I've never seen. I have also never seen it. I know it was big. <laughs> no pun intended. I know it was big in the piano. <laughs> <laughs> a piano is a pretty big thing to put it next to. <laughs> Just hold it up to a dollar bill for scale. <laughs> I don't know if I saw. I think I remember seeing the piano. Is it like a period piece? I believe so. Yeah, I think that's I snoozed with, and turned it off. Yeah, that's the one with Anna Paquin. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah, because she won the Oscar for that, and she was a, oh, a kid. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she was like eight. Anna Packham won the Oscar. And I remember just thinking like about how when as you get older yeah, and your resume changes, you're like, oh, I don't do that. I don't put that anymore. I did that so long ago. Yeah, right, right, like, right. But also I won the highest acting award in all the land. Yeah, that is a tricky one. Yeah. Like because Haley Joel Osment won an Oscar too, right? He was nominated. Oh, that's it? Couldn't bring it home. Ah. Oh. He may have won a Golden Globe. He will one of these days. I don't think so. I do. Um, I'm a huge Haley Joel Osment fan. He's great. He's very fun. He was on one of the new seasons, uh, new episodes of The X-Files recently. Well, he was also on Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show. Oh, really? Yeah. He's hilarious. I love him. He's very fun. Oh, so we're in the second scene. We've already had several good laughs. Yes. So we go straight from the Harvey Keitel conversation into the commercial being on. And everyone runs over to the TV to watch Ira and Bert in this commercial. Hello. I'm Bert Buckley. Owner of Buckman Sporting Goods, where we got everything for your sporting goods needs. Do you have sneakers? We have sneakers, sir. Run on down. You got fishing equipment? We have rods and reels to lure you in. Do you have bats? Bats. I must have bats in the belfry to be giving things away at these prices. Right here at Buckman Sporting Goods Midnight Madness Sale. Remember, that's Buckman Sporting Goods, where we got everything for your sporting goods needs. <laughs> And it's unbelievable. It's very silly. And Ira. Lots of Ira running yeah. around in the foreground and the background. It was like watching him do a little one man show. Yeah. I felt like. It was great. He was great because he switches an outfit. Every voice he's doing, you can hear him doing. He switches, he has a new outfit on. I love how Burt Buckman is a little bit hokey to begin with. Right. Like he's your hokey dad. Yep. And then this is your hokey dad being extra hokey for the camera. Yes. Where it's just like, yeah, Louis Zurich is just like, how does this guy? Yeah, that's right. Make a bad local ad. That's right. How does this person who's not an actor perform for the camera? He's uncomfortable, but confident. Yes, yes. It's very stilted. It's stilted language. Yeah. My favorite one, I'm assuming it's yours too, is when Ira goes, you got bats? And he goes, I must have bats in the belfry to be giving things away at these prices. It's pretty great. Bats in the belfry (laughs) in a sporting goods commercial. My favorite is at the end where Ira comes on. I can't remember what is exactly what it said, but Bert is saying a sentence and he's like, we've got everything you need. Ira comes on with a golf club, yells for your sporting goods needs. And it's just like, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this ad it's okay so it's hard to believe that steve pamer didn't also help write the teleplay because this is such a steve pamery kind of thing to me he didn't he writes like he, he said, was no. given birth 
by a mother who was performing with her husband in a vaudeville theater in Missouri <laughs> before hopping right. on a train to their next gig. Yeah, yeah. He was birthed between gigs. Yeah, on the boards, because that's how oh. he, like, he writes <laughs> so yeah. naturally in that style. Yes, this does feel like him, but uh, hey, credits are credits. Credits, yeah, you're only, right. Credits we are can only <laughs> If it says maybe, it, you can't argue with it. You know what? Maybe they said to him, maybe they were like, Steve, come on. We know you gave us a story. Whack. Can you, can you please help us? Please help us with the script. Whack. And he's like, look, I know. I know what my limitations are. But if I were to write a script... Uh. <laughs> Here are things that I might put say in a, in a commercial. <laughs> you got this. This is like a Silence of the Lambs situation. Yeah. Yes. Quid pro quo. Yeah. <laughs> I figure he gets a story credit, but I'm sure they still put this. They send this around the writer's room and they all make jokes together. I'm sure. I would assume. So then at the very end, Bert asks what everyone thinks and Murray just moans and leaves the room. So funny. So then we're in the bedroom later that night and Paul's making mm-hmm. fun of Bert's commercial. <laughs> Which is very funny because you can tell he's like a little hurt. Yes. And also just a little making fun of his dad. Yes, absolutely. He's like, we have floss to pick your teeth to savings. (laughs) Which I said is such an active way to learn how he feels about the ad. I thought you were going to say it's an active way to learn that Paul has food between his teeth. (laughs) No, it's like you could just have him be like, can you believe that ad? No, you're absolutely right. But it's more fun if he just makes fun of it. it. For sure. Yeah, that's a very good point. And the so, fact that that's what brings us back from commercial. Yes. Right. Like you know, we're off to the races us. immediately. Yeah. It's good. The starts to these scenes so far have been unbelievable. Yeah. Paul wants Jamie to hold a belt up like she's a stewardess. <laughs> like he wants to do some test shots for his. Wait, have we said what his gig is yet? Oh, yeah. The clips have. <laughs> what? No, I'm laughing at what Jamie's about to say. What? they ask, She makes some joke about... Yeah, because Paul gives her a belt to hold up and says, pretend you're a stewardess. And she says, are we going to do something dirty? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe in the reboot. I got a kick out of that. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be on HBO. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to be married to Paul Giamatti in the next season of Billions. <laughs> That's a plot on that show. Is it? Oh, so Jamie, so Paul's doing his little test shoots. It's very, they give them both great activities for this scene. He's doing the test shoots in the bedroom, and she Mm -hmm. is looking through papers. And we find out that she did a bunch of research that she, quote, looked up somewhere on sporting goods sales and demographics and when people buy them and what people buy them and blah, 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 blah. She's basically thinking about the business. She's still not using her glasses, which Paul pokes at her about. Oh, you're right. Which Paul, yeah. Wait, does he say Paul something? gives a little, yeah, he's like, use your glasses. And she's like, I'm fine. <gasps> I missed that. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, I'm, I'm happy that that's going to be a, a recurring thing, I think. Yeah, it might be. We'll have to keep an eye. Wait, we'll have to keep an eye out. I get it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we have fun. <laughs> oh, I guess they must have the internet. Yeah, and they, probably. It, they would. It's 94. It's early for that, but. I was thinking yeah. about shows. They didn't talk about it that much. No. But they had it. Mm-hmm. Like Chandler had it, too. I, he had a laptop with a modem. Yeah, I guess so. But it just was never, it wasn't really talked about that much. Right. I guess emails will be talked about in a bit, I would imagine. Sure. That'll happen. Like from Doug Burkus or something. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay, we started. Yeah. So Jamie wants to do PR for the store. Yeah. That's the long and short of it. She's found yeah. a way to feel useful. Her PR fires are once again being stoked. Yes. Oh, well put. 
And Paul's frustrated at the same time because he says, you can't make a seatbelt interesting. <laughs> and then he sort of riffs, like there's no titles of movies, of blockbusters right. with the word seatbelt in them. Okay, you know what? It's impossible to make seatbelts interesting. It will be interesting. Uh, yeah. That's why they have all those blockbusters out there. You know, The Good, The Bad, and The Seatbelt. <laughs> Robin Hood, Prince of Seatbelt. All right. Seatbelt gum. <laughs> what rhymes with tetherbolt? Seatbelt in Seattle, for example. I think the magic of this moment, I could be wrong, most sitcoms, I think, would just go straight for the funny one. Um, the seatbelts in Seattle is the best one. Yes. The good, the bad, the seatbelt, that's not I, that funny. Maybe. The build to the right. best one allows us to enjoy it as much as the characters would. That is very true. You get to feel the satisfaction because you saw all the okay ones leading up all to it. All the bad ones, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm really into this episode. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. So Jamie, I'm not even going to give you a hard time about it. This yeah, is a really right. fun one. <laughs> Jamie's trying to come up with slogans. She wants to get a celeb for the store. She asks if Paul knows Mickey Mantle. It's very funny. And I think, you know, his old subtenant Kramer. Right. Saw Mickey Mantle at Dinky Donuts. That's true. But Jamie asks who she can get for cheap. And he says mm -hmm. Sloopy Dunbar. Russ, take it away. <laughs> hang on, Sloopy, Sloopy, hang on. I don't know. You're the baseball what? guy. You know oh, yeah, anything about him? Okay. Yeah, he's fake. Oh, well, boy, I really feel like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he is? Yeah, Sloopy Dunbar's a, a fictional person. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you another question. Is Hang On Sloopy a song that other people sing, not just at Ohio State? Yeah, it's very popular. Because, you know, we play it sure at our games. I'm not sure why I do, and you spell out Ohio in the middle of it. Yeah, do other people do that? At their games? Yes. I mean, look, I don't think so. I know I played it. I played it in like high school pep band. Oh, really? But yeah, but I mean, it's associated strongly enough with the Ohio beach? State. Oh, right. That it's not really. No, it's not the Beach Boys. I, oh, I don't recall who. Brother. Okay. I, when I was in college, I thought it was some old Buckeye wrote it like for their fraternity. But I think it's a real hit song. No, it's definitely a real hit song. I'm not sure who wrote it or under what circumstances. I'm not sure how it got tied in with OSU. Because Ira knows it but later. yeah, it's, uh, it's very popular. Yeah. Especially there. Well, let me ask you this. Well, we'll get to it later, I guess. But what I'm going to ask you is, do you think Sloopy is a made up? Do you think he's an archetype? Or do you think it's an allusion to, was there a bitter Yankee from that oh, World Series? Who's a nobody sort of? Um... I guess it could be I anyone think, who's not. I think he's an archetype, yeah. but also, but I mean, look. He's All an forgotten ballplayers. Yeah, yes. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah, he's standard. Yes, right. It's that famous old Commedia dell'arte, the Sloopy. <laughs> the, the Sloopy. Sloopiso. Oh, yes. Baseballio. Yes. E Valentino, e Sloopy. <laughs> 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 so we get this. I didn't put the clip in because I was like, I got to draw the line somewhere. But I would tell you, it's worth the 30 bucks on Amazon just to watch this monologue. <laughs> I think it's very good. Paul tells a story about Bert taking him to the third game of the 64 World Series and yeah. about how Bert was trying to guess the gross markup on the uh, baseball equipment. Yep. <laughs> and Paul was taking photos with a new camera he had. And at some point, they just both stopped doing that and just enjoyed the game together. And then he almost caught a ball. It's really, it's very touching. Done. And it has no, that's what I missed about the earlier episodes. This has no real, I mean, it, there's no jokes. It doesn't have any real comic payoff. It's yeah. just a sweet story. Yeah. Yeah. It, you're building the scene and the world and the stakes for the rest of yes. the episode. That's right. 
Yeah, it pays off later. It, do, it sure but even does. That, even that, the payoff that comes later is vaguely comic, but it, it's much right. more uh, rich emotionally speaking. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so nice. So we go to the store in the next scene, and we're in the store for the rest of the show. We find out Jamie's made up three possible layouts for the sale. Oh, no, we're not for the rest of the show. Sorry. Boy, there's a lot of right. scenes in this episode, too. There's a lot. We bounce around a lot. Jamie makes up three possible layouts for the sale, and she's pitching them to Bert. And Bert doesn't understand why she'd come up with three. <laughs> I love how much Bert Buckman loves Jamie. Yes. Yes. Like, how refreshing. Like loves Jamie. A great father-daughter-in-law relationship. Yes. You don't see that every day on TV. It's very, very sweet. It is. So he sort of drills her about why she'd do this. And it, it makes fun, I guess, of the absurdity of, of her old job. Don't you want to see the others? Why? You should have options. Why? My boss always made me do three. Why? I don't know. But at the same time, I'm like, well, Bert, <laughs> there's pretty yeah. good answers to all these questions. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Come on, dude. Yeah, they're doing things bigger <laughs> than a midnight sale at a sporting goods store. Uh, yeah, what a strange... A midnight sale at a sporting goods store. I know, store. that's so weird, but fun. At a mom and pop. It's very interesting. Well, it made me, like, it feels like something, but they don't do it, but like PC Richards, maybe. That feels yeah, like a mom may- and pop, but it's a chain, I guess. But it has a mom and pop yeah. feel. It's very funny. <laughs> I always wanted to go, because I know Macy's, like the week before Christmas, the Herald Square mm-hmm. one's usually 24 hours a day. Yes. And I've always wanted to go shop at like 2.30 in the morning just to see what it's like. We could do that. Yeah, that feels like an episode of This American Life, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll do <laughs> What what if at two thirty in the morning during Christmas season at Herald Square Macy's you walked around and said, "So are you excited about Mad about you coming back?" <laughs> We'd be asked to leave. I think you're right. By me. <laughs> By me. I would ask us to leave. Yeah. Bert wants to pay her, but she's doing it strictly pro bono. Very sweet. Then we jump back to Paul. He's on a soundstage holding auditions, mm-hmm. which is weird. Yep. Why wouldn't he be a in weird a place to have them? Audition room. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Rent an office. So he's on the soundstage with the backdrop and he's looking over an actress's headshot. And it's a, one of those old actor jokes. And he's like, I see you did Death of a Salesman on Broadway, Shakespeare in the Park. Okay, action. And she does the stewardess exit gesture that we all know. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. Ha ha. Great actress having to do a dumb gig. What would be yes. really funny, I didn't look it up actually, maybe I should have, is if the actress that played that part. <laughs> Had done Shakespeare in the Park. I thought you were going to say if that actress was a stewardess. That wouldn't be funny. (laughs) I'm laughing. I don't know why, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she's not credited. We'll never know. We'll never know. So we go to the kitchen table. The next scene, kitchen table. Jamie's in full work mode. The table is covered in papers. And her Rolotex and her big fat laptop. Mm -hmm. And Jamie employs Murray as her envelope licker. And great job by Maui. Great job by Maui. Perfect. So Paul comes in. Hey, hey, question. Did we ever buy any floors? No. I got a thing in my tooth. Tell me. A piece of pretzel the size of a human lung. I just wrote hashtag signature riser. A piece of pretzel the size of a human lung. I mean, lung. that is, that's why we love him, I think. <laughs> hashtag signature riser. I mean, it, right? It's just, it's the, it's the cadence. It's the, it's the words, yeah. the nouns yep. he's using. Yep, it's funny. It's a fun little bit. Oh, so we find out Jamie... So he's got a thing stuck in his teeth, as we just learned, and he grabs a little piece of cardboard by the kitchen and turns out to Mm -hmm. pick it out of his teeth. 
and we discovered that Jamie printed business cards. Yep. Because she started a business today. She's back at it. Yeah. And they get Jamie into Buckman, this- Jamie Buckman, public relations. They get into this very real fight mm-hmm. or whatever argument about- Before we do that, let me just say, because Jamie, Jamie's figured out a way to- Paul asks how much all of the envelopes and all of that cost. And she worked out a way to rig to rig the system. Yes, so she's like, right. no, I'm writing press releases for the copy store. I traded promo ideas for the envelopes. And I'm babysitting the mailman's kids for the stamps. She asks, do you want to do hamburgers for dinner? He says, what, are you going to slaughter a cow in yeah, your spare time? That's great. I like that joke. But yes, it's implicit, get, but we haven't talked it about bit. it. One of the undercurrent tensions of the episode is they're strapped for cash right now. Yes, and things the buck, are a little bit and tight. The, the parents know it. That's why Bert offered a little cash to mm-hmm. Jamie. That's mm-hmm. why Paul's stressed out about the jobs. And yep. So this scene, they explore Paul's insecurity about not being able to provide. Yeah. Because Jamie's supposed to be going back to school right now. Right. And he's worried that she's doing this because she's worried they won't have money. Right. Which is a failure on his part in his mind. Yes. And that's destroying him a little. <laughs> it's what a real thing. I know. It's really quite a dynamic to explore in the middle of a 22 episode, 22 minute yeah. long episode of Mad About You. That's Especially, why it's a great show. You know, yeah. Because he says in the middle of it, he's just like, if you're doing it for me, don't. If you're doing it for us, I'll take care of us. If you're doing it for you, then okay. And that middle part about I'll take care of us. Yeah. That's maybe a little bit of antiquated thinking, but in this specific instance, he said, he was just like, you go back to school and I will carry us during this time. Right. I'm pretty sure that was the deal they struck. Yeah. I think anyway. I think you're right. And now he can't do it. And now he can't do it. So yeah, I get him wanting to be able to figure this out for himself and I get him feeling bad about not being able to. Definitely. Yeah. And I also like, I it's, she's, it's amazing they're able to convince us of this, but she seems like she... She likes PR. She loves it. Like, she gets her going. Yeah. She's good at it. That's why she's starting a business. Like, I get it. I was going to say we didn't see that, but we did see it. We used to see it all the time. Yeah. It was just mixed with She's always the scheming and connecting and, yeah, mm-hmm. and figuring things out. Yeah, it's in her blood. Somehow. Yeah. I, I, yeah, somehow. And that's also so funny because that kind of that kind of nuance gets missed in relationships all the time. Where it's just like, you hated PR. Right. And she's like, no, I loved what I did. Yeah. I hated this small part of that's what I did true. to the point where I couldn't deal with it anymore. But I love the bigger part, whereas he's just thinking all of it is bad. Yep, that's right. Sometimes, Very interesting. Yeah, sometimes the partner doesn't understand it as deeply yeah. as the viewer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So she assures him that she's doing it for her. And yeah. we move into. And he says, so what? So I don't count? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then we move into the Buckman Sporting Goods for the rest of the episode. Yes. It's sale night. The whole gang's there because it's a sitcom and it's so fun. Fran's there. Lisa's there. <laughs> Ira. Everyone. No Mark, of course. Yep. Sylvia's there. Sylvia's there. Uh, this reminds me because my grandmother owned a store. And now my aunt runs it. And when I was a kid, we'd all be there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we'd all, like, be there setting up before, like, a sale or whatever. That's fun. Yeah, I know the retail vibe. The mom and pop retail vibe. Sure. It's nice. Everybody, all hands on deck. We've got a sale coming. Yeah, right. And, you know, when you're there with family, it ain't so bad. Sure. So Lisa's eating a sandwich while she plays on a Nordic track. (laughs) (laughs) Which is an interesting, I wonder, it's not product placement, I guess, because you don't see the logo anywhere. But it's right. unmistakably a like. Did they have competition? Was anyone else remember. making a weird gadget that looks like that? Yeah, I don't remember a lot of other at-home ski machines. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> but yeah, they don't. I would anyone else have a jump rope said... tied to a pulley, hovering over skis <laughs> and slide back and forth. I would have loved for Jamie to be like, "Good, Lisa, how's the alpinomatic going?" Yeah, right. Just yeah, like... <laughs> the Alpine three thousand. <laughs> oh, and they have a cardboard cutout of Sloopy uh, Dunbar, yes, and Bert wants a photo. Yeah, Bert wants yeah. a photo of the cardboard cutout before Sloopy gets there. Yeah. That's a so photo funny. with the cardboard cutout. So then he poses with him. Yes. And it's very yeah. funny. Uh, oh, uh, so Jamie convinces Bert to change his sneakers. Right. And Even that is so sweet. What? Bert loves these sneakers because Bert loves these sneakers. He's had, them for tw- he's had them for 20 years. He's had these sneakers. They're his favorite thing. And Jamie thinks it's a good idea for everybody to be using uh, right. merchandise from the store. Where the merch. So she yeah. asks him. Yeah. She, she asks him to change sneakers. And she says, for me. And he says, oh, yeah. all right. That's right. I also love... That's adorable. It is adorable. There's no logic to... like. So he's like, you know how long I've had these sneakers? And everyone related to him goes, 20 years. 20 years. As if he's been <laughs> saying 20 years for 20 years. Yes. That's very funny. Like, it should be going up every year for it to <laughs> be That's a good point. Sure. That's true. Yeah, otherwise they all have done math in their head very quickly. Right. So that that's where I stopped watching. It really ruined the show for me. <laughs> so Jamie asks Paul and Ira if they know what they're doing because they're they're behind the counter doing some something, some job that right. she gave them. Yeah. And they what what was this? Is it the Three Stooges? What are they doing? I don't know. I think they're just doing dumb guy voices. Oh, that's it? I think so. It's very fun. Well, look, it's dumb guy voices at its best. At its worst, no, it's a lot worse. That's right. It's right on the line. It yes, sounds like of them be like I don't want to do the voice. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. But they're like, I don't know what I'm um, doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Like that. I don't know what I'm doing. Do you know what you're doing? Yeah. yeah back and forth. It's very funny. Felt like it a little old Steve Paymery kind of thing. Yeah. It's very funny, and we don't want to do it because it's also a borderline borderline very offensive. offensive. <laughs> Jamie opens the door, you know, to let the crowds in for the big sale, and yep. there's nobody. Nobody there. And I was worried that she there was some plot point where she like screwed up the ads or something. Right. Thank God that no, wasn't the case. I, no, it was just a blip. Yeah, she opened it prematurely. That's all. It takes time yeah. for people to come. That's so funny that it's just like that it's literally just for that joke. Because then we come back and the joint is jumping. Yeah. There's people shopping. Oh, it's fine. The joint is and jumping. It's a very successful, uh, a very successful event. You know what I wrote? But just what's that? It's in full swing. Yeah, the joint is jumping. Boom! We're look how ingrained in our subconsciouses swing culture is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Truly, I guess you're right. Not only that, but baseball involves full swing. Very true. Very good. <laughs> Not only is it true, but it's worth mentioning. <laughs> so, oh, we find out immediately. Bert loves the sneakers. I love these sneakers. I can't even tell I'm walking. I was in the stock room. Now I'm here. All I remember is shelves going by. I mean. So good. I see shelves going by. How did I get here? Oh. So silly. About a sneaker. It's so funny. It's beautiful. What a, what a dad. What a, what a dad. dad. And I get it. That's how old I am now. Sure. Oh, good shoe. I that l- sounds nice. <laughs> I love at this next point, Ira and Paul pulling off a grift. Where- oh, Yes. Let me play that because it's so good. Yeah. So Paul and I, yeah, basically the guy's looking at a fishing rod, a very nice fishing rod. And Ira comes over to Paul and they sort of like make a plan. And then you watch the plan happen. Hey, hey, 
That's the one that I would have picked. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just looking. And I'm just talking. But it is a beauty, though, isn't it? Yep, that's the one. Thank wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. What are you doing? What are you doing? I got three calls on this one. What was it, 25 percent? Oh, it's 30, but it's already taken. I, yeah, by me. Listen, I'm really sorry. I don't uh, it's not fair. Well, all right, all right. Come on, I'll ring you up. It's great. They're natural-born hustlers. That's so funny. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I do, too. It's, it's so fun because it just it feels like it's in there. Like they, they could have run a three-card Monty game in high school. Yeah, they've done this a million times. Yeah, right. It's fun it's to watch so them in this episode. Like, because Play of, off each other. Yeah, and because they're around their elders, like his uncle and his dad, yes. they feel like kids. That is why. Yeah. That's very true. I didn't put it together. Yeah, because so often, you know, more often than not, Paul's a little bit. Uh, he right. can be fed up with Ira. Right, he's the but mature here one. Here, their peers. He, here, their peers because the parents are around. Right, You're right. So the fishing guy's played by Michael Tomlinson, who's just been in a lot of shows. He was on a lot of episodes seemed, of the L Word. He felt very familiar to me. Oh, I really? Yeah, yeah. I same, but I nothing on his resume ring a hard bell. Couldn't place it. Did you watch the L Word a lot? No, I think it reminded me of is his name Ari Gross. From Ellen, I think you reminded me of that guy. He was not on uh, Ellen, wh- whether he should have or not. Yeah, so it wasn't anyway. him. But he's been on one episode of everything, including ER. He played Doctor Keith Fecto. Okay, it's an interesting name. <laughs> Look, thirteen seasons or however long it was, <laughs> you come up with some interesting names. <laughs> oh, so then we find out the big news: Bert's retired. Yes, and Sylvia, Huge. as she does in every aspect of life, has been pushing him to do it a little. Such a funny bit. Yeah, and Bert says, we think it's time, and I agree. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. So it seems like, well, what I wrote is Paul's parents are courting him to run the store. Did you feel that at that moment or no? Yeah, at least a little bit. They let it on a little. They misdirected us because they're like sort of rubbing yes. his shoulders and like surrounding him. Yeah, plus he, it's, it's his uh, That's you true, know, it's, it's his, his son. Yeah, right, you're yeah. right. He is the obvious inheritor of this. Heir apparent, as Bert puts it. Everything I know about lineage indicates that this will be his. Bingo. Or and he's going to be And I know a murdered. lot about lineage. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. Just His just sister's going to murder him. Bert, don't fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. <on> you. <laughs> and if you do, wear some earplugs or something, buddy. Well, what's that going to do? Well, it's going to stop people from putting poison in your ear. Oh, they don't stab him. That's right. Yeah. We're talking about Macbeth, everyone. Nope. Oh, really? They stab yeah, they do stab Duncan and Macbeth. Oh, okay. I was talking about Hamlet. Who's they put poison in someone's ear? Oh, yeah. what's his name? The dad. Hamlet. <laughs> Hamlet's ghost. Hamlet's dad. Oh, that's how they killed Hamlet's dad? Yeah. I don't remember his cause of death at all. Poison in the ear. The classic poison in the I ear. I would love to see a Hamlet with Quincy Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> With Jack Klugman walking around, figuring out all the causes of death. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, that would be a real treat for me. <laughs> so uh, you got stabbed to death. Ah, but look at this little <laughs> Nick. That's not going to do it. <laughs> Poison tip sword. Ah. <laughs> wow, you're really Roll good. Roll credits. <laughs> Russ knows all the causes of death in Hamlet. <laughs> so then we get Sloopy Dunbar, who his, his, Jamie's been complaining has been late the whole time. I uh, finally shows that girl, up. That girl drowned. That, Wait, what? Oh, that that's so funny. Ophelia? That's Ophelia. That's, uh, that's, that's Quincy just uh, taking care of an easy one. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a <laughs> gimme. The wet girl, she drowned. Yeah, but was it murder or suicide? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's definitely suicide. Definitely suicide. Because someone watches her do it, right? I forget who, her friend or something. Probably. Yeah, she made a that garland. Right. She walked into the river. Yeah, all those things. I, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, everyone listen to our Hamlet podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Sloopy Dunbar shows up. He's played by Charles Hallahan, who was the captain from the show Hunter, if anyone remembers that. I don't, but I remember my parents Great. watching Hunter. Yep, Hunter was one of those. Yeah. And he passed away three years after this episode, which feels very fast really? because he didn't seem that, that old. Does, yeah, no. And his first line is, where's my check? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a jerk. Sloopy's a big jerk. He's a big, bitter jerk, and it's so fun. This is the crowd? Uh, well. Yeah, what did I expect? They named candy bars after Reggie Jackson. They named diseases after Lou Gehrig. You know what they named after me? No. My sister's kid. Okay. Uh, they named candy bars after Reggie Jackson. What is the candy bar? I forgot bar? to look it up. I do not know. I know they named candy bars after Babe Ruth. Of course. Oh, I my gosh. Yes. What's it called? The Reggie bar. Okay. It was before our time. It was introduced in 78 and retired in 82. That sounds right. Listen to this. This will sound familiar. A round candy bar of peanuts and caramel coated in milk chocolate. Sounds like a Babe Ruth. Peanuts and caramel, you said? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's covered in chocolate. Looking at pictures, it is a slightly different candy bar. It's a circle. It's a disc. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. the nuts are on the surface. Oh. And it's a caramel filled center. Interesting. And here is a delightful commercial. Hi, I'm Reggie, the famous ball player they named this candy bar after. Peanuts make it my candy bar. Sorry, I'm the Reggie they named the bar after. Sweet caramel makes it my kind of bar. Hey, I'm the real Reggie. And I got the opposite in that, eh? This is my kind of rich chocolatey covering. That's funny. I thought I was the real Reggie. Reggie, it's everybody's kind of candy bar. You could Great. tell from the voices, but, well, Russ hasn't seen it. <laughs> but basically, it's a bunch of different people who are definitely not Reggie Jackson wearing right. Reggie Jackson's jersey and saying, I'm Reggie, and this is my <laughs> candy bar. And it's like a kid, then it's like a woman in an office, then it's like this old New York guy, like a cabbie who's like, I'm a Reggie Jackson. <laughs> I like the idea of pulling an I am Spartacus about yes, a candy bar. That's what's happening. That's right. I am Reggie. This is my candy bar. Yeah. Did the candy bar kill somebody? Yeah. And they're all. <laughs> and then it goes to Reggie Jackson. He's like, I thought yeah. that's funny. I thought I was Reggie Jackson. <laughs> and then the final scene as the voiceover plays, you just see like a granny, a classic old American commercial sure. granny archetype. Eating a candy bar with a Reggie Jackson jersey. Great. Very Beautiful. fun. I like the idea of candy bars named after baseball players only being able to have those three ingredients. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, now, <laughs> if they were to be like, Mike Trout, center fielder of the Anaheim Angels. You're great. Best player in the game. We want to make a candy bar. Okay, so, here's what we're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> How do you, Well, let's turn it up to you. How would you like your caramel peanuts and chocolate arranged? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite shape? I mean, and bars and circles are taken, so you'd have to yeah. go with like how about a ball, like a sphere uh, of a small sphere. Actually, like a, that you want a triangle? Great. Or a like a Ferrero <laughs> Rocher, basically. Ooh. Actually, Mike Trout, we got a candy bar pitch for you. <laughs> Get in touch. Oh, uh, there's no <laughs> there's no piece of chocolate I like more than the trout. Than the trout. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I like my trout to taste like chocolate. <laughs> so Sloopy's a real pile of garbage. Yeah, he, he uh, doesn't get a candy bar. They named after him his sister's kid. Right. I love the choice to say sister's kid instead of nephew or niece. Yeah. 
<laughs> so Frank catches his eye and mm-hmm. he has a new experience. You know, so we know Paul gets hurt when he sees a beautiful woman. Ouch. Yeah, ouch. Sloopy says, cut off my legs and call me Shorty. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and I'm just like, why? <laughs> I like the idea of them being like, listen, Steve Pamer, thanks so much for that great scene earlier. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate you contributing dialogue, even though you're just on story. Wow. We just, we just need an expression for Sloopy to say to show that he thinks that Fran's attractive. And he's like, folks, I'm done and I'm done. And he leaves. And they're like, uh, okay, uh, cut off my legs and call me shorty, I guess. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was his idea again. No, this is this is beneath. This is I don't beneath think Steve so. Famer. No, don't I don't think, think so? so. It's very fun. <laughs> and then he says, I bet if I was blank, you'd say yes. I didn't catch that player's name. Mickey Mantle. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. And then he said, you ever see him in the shower? Yep. <laughs> yep. That's a Mickey Mantle penis joke. Is there a rumor about him? Uh, no. I don't think so, anyway. Not like Milton Berle? Not like Milton Berle. So Bert is so excited to have Sloopy there. He introduces him to his, quote, heir apparent, who we expect to be Paul. Right. But it's Ira. Mm-hmm. They're leaving the store to Ira. Twist. Yeah. And Ira says, hang on, Sloopy, to Sloopy. We finally get there. Yes. The moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> so then we jump to later at the sale. Yep. And Paul is upset. Yes. And he's walking out the door and he tells Jamie, he's like, I'm going for a walk. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's the jilted heir. Yeah. Jamie can see that he is upset. She understands why. She's trying to be supportive, but he is being a baby about things. Yeah. His feelings are hurt. Of course they are, though. Yeah, of course they are. But it's not like he's not saying she's asking, hey, are you okay?" And rather than saying, "Uh, no, here's what I'm feeling and how I'm feeling about it. He's kind of taking it out on her. Yes, that's true. That I'll give you. Yeah, because then (laughs) he starts yelling at her. Yeah, he starts yelling at her. Go ahead. Okay, why don't you do that? What? No, go. Go check on Sloopy. No, because you're doing great. Yeah, you're packing him in here, and I'm sure your business is really going to take off. That's good. So at least one of us will... I would just appreciate it if you didn't lord it over me like that, okay? I'm very impressed. Yeah, you can go to school, and you can open up your own business, and you can do, and you can cook from Taiwan. That's great. Meanwhile, I'm teaching the entire world how to put their trays in an upright position. So I'm real... Excuse me. um, What is the difference between these two clubs? Six iron, eight iron. So... So the difference would be two. Okay, will you excuse us? Yeah, this is exactly what I wanted from after last week. One of these. It was good. Yeah, it was tense. This is... So good because all of these scenes, I don't know how long this clip goes, but it goes through the golf clubs. It's so easy to play a fight bigger. Yes. Or smaller where he could have said some things that, you know, she could have really been very hurt by his outburst and walked away. Yeah. Or been like, I'm not talking to you right now or gotten mad at him. And then it would have been a different kind of a fight. It would have Mm -hmm. been a bigger fight. Mm -hmm. But he yells at her. She says, this is about your dad. And he could have said, this isn't about my dad. It's about you and the way that you're doing such and such. But instead he says, yeah, this is about my dad. I don't know how to talk to him. I can talk to you. Right. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. This is a really hard scene to write, and it's a really hard scene to act. There are a million different ways to screw up the performances, and they don't. Definitely true. They don't at all. It's great. Yeah, it's written in the more realistic way, but not the more Mm -hmm. uh, archetypal, dramatic way. Right. Yes. I was also, I found myself feeling tense that they were going to be overheard. That's fair. They're being pretty loud right out in front of the door. Yeah, but... It's still like I was just tense the whole time that someone's going to notice. Sure. Because they set the stage very well, I guess. 
<laughs> so Jamie convinces Paul at the end of this scene to confront his dad. Yes. So then we and go then to he the, does. Yeah. We go to the stock room in the next scene. And right. I wrote, I wish we could just play the scene. <laughs> so go buy the DVD set because this scene is also worth $30. It's really great. It's the most actively written confrontation scene because no confrontation is needed. It's so much yeah. more realistic. It's just taught like he doesn't want to say anything. Yep. And his dad is just talking. Yep. But you're picking the language apart in the same way Paul is. And you're finding the like resolutions there that he's getting. Yeah. Without Paul having gets to say exactly anything. what he needs. Yes. From his dad. Oh, uh, when Bert um, found the picture. So he finds a picture of Sloopy that yes. Paul took with his camera. Mm-hmm. And just that makes Paul feel valid. Like Paul, I think, imagine that Bert didn't notice that he was into yeah. film stuff. Yeah. Paul just said, Paul is shocked. He says, you saved this? Yeah. And Bert says, you took it. Yeah. The rest of the scene is gravy. Because in yes, that, that's right. Paul gets what he needs. That's everything. Yeah. And that's similar to the Paul not understanding the difference between Jamie not liking PR and Jamie not liking her job. Yes. This is one of those things where it's like he assumed his dad had no... Interest in him. He had a broader understanding of his dad's relationship to his filmmaking yeah than really existed right like he appreciates it he's just nervous of normal parent nerves but he also had a deeper appreciation of it than paul understood yes absolutely and like he gets paul he sees all of paul the whole way even where later where he's talking about he talks about jamie yeah this is in a little bit that is gravy but yeah, where he just talks about how, you know, she's great, but I think she's feeling a little overlooked. Yeah, left or, behind, or he says. Left he says, behind. this was good for Jamie, all this PR stuff. She's feeling left behind. And Paul's like, left, like, because Paul's feeling left behind. Yeah, yeah. And Bert says, you were going and, since you were 12 with that little camera. Yeah, it's funny how, yeah, Bert has always just been like, oh, well, Paul is set. Right. Paul knows what's up. Yeah. Paul is a professional. Paul's got his bases covered. Right. And I don't need to worry about Paul. Right. And when that's how you feel and that's where you're starting from, it can be easy for somebody to feel overlooked and taken for granted. So I get where Paul's coming from. Because picking Ira, he's worried Ira feels bad or will feel bad because picking Ira essentially means he has no faith in his wedding band. Yeah. And then he says to Paul, literally, it's not like you. Yeah. And Paul looks like he's about to cry. Yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, come on, you know it and I know it. Yeah. About Ira, not like you. It's so good. And then, ugh. And it doesn't undercut anything, but they ended on a joke. Because Bert looks at Paul and he goes, Paul, tell me something. Am I standing? (laughs) And it feels surreal or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just the luckiest man on earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And Paul goes, yeah. And Bert goes, I love these sneakers. I love these sneakers. A lovely button. So then we go to the next scene, and it is the shop at dawn. Mm-hmm. And the traditional... So in between each scene, there's been like a little B-roll. Right. From, I think, the Hudson, looking mm-hmm. at the city. And this one, we've never seen on the show. Maybe never seen it at any show, I feel like. Is like magic hour at dawn. Yes. Like the color of the sky is so insane. Yes. And lit up. And I was like, it's it actually... <laughs> It's moved me a little. Yeah, sunrise. Sunrises are beautiful. I don't know what to tell you. And this is like the dawn of a new yeah age in all their lives. That's very true. Like it's a very profound episode. I think you're pulling a lot out of the B-roll for this episode, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah, I mean it's intentional. Yeah. So then we go into the store, and it's a fake sunset on a backdrop. Yes. And Paul and Jamie are sitting in the inflatable raft that's on display in front of the backdrop. Right. And it's the morning and Bert and Sylvia are headed home. And Iris closing up for the first time, his own, now his shop. Mm-hmm. And Fran is leaving with Sloopy. 
<laughs> Fran's really tired. Yeah. And he says, I'll get a cab. If I was Mantle, they'd have sent a car. And she says oh, she's that's really... When the... Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't I, think I'm the early pot... one was Mantle. It may not have been. That was the... But I don't know who was it was. Of... He, like, mumbled it. And Fran, I thought, was going home with him, but she was going to breakfast with him, which is a lot more palatable. Right. Yes. And less And shocking. as they leave, Sloopy says, Fran, come on. I haven't had anything to eat all day except tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are the going worst. after baseball players a little in this but also at least a little bit glorifying them sure well they're going after this baseball player yeah but he's representative of many sure or an idea sure so then at the very end it's a schmaltzy and i loved it sloopy because earlier we got the story about how paul how sloopy hit a ball into the stands and paul almost caught yes, it but paul missed just it. missed it yeah so this time sloopy autographs a ball for paul and throws it to him and he catches it really great very sweet then we get the tag, and Sloopy and Fran are eating breakfast at the diner, and Sloopy's <laughs> doing his impression of different Yankees at the 94 World Series. Oh, my God. And as you can guess, Russ, I didn't get this. You but then I, I, I Googled it, yep. and I learned that the 94 World Series was canceled due to the strike. Mm-hmm. And then this bit became the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> like, it's annoying if you're a, on a date. That's very funny. But it's very funny. Sure. <laughs> Basically, everyone, he's going through, he's like, this is my impression of Mattingly during the World Series. This is my impression of Canseco. This is my impression of Bagwell. Yeah. And each one is just, yeah. they're doing, like, Canseco's doing his nails, Mattingly's sleeping, Bagwell's whistling and just looking around. Yeah, it's very silly. No one's playing ball. <laughs> and Fran, again, is really tired. Yeah. And this felt like the most scenic and scripted tag we've seen. Yeah, I think it may be. You know? Like a guest yeah, star. Yeah, vaguely and connected. Yeah, we don't. We definitely don't get a lot of guest stars in tags. No. Maybe John Aston pulls his way back out of a yes, window. That's right. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. But uh, to speak to Mr. Wicker of all people. Yeah. Oh, that's true. You're right. There's another one. But yeah, that's the episode. Unbelievably is exceptional episode. This is a great one. One of my favorites, maybe. I don't know what. Yes, I think so, too. I, re- I remembered this one. I don't know what about it, but I remember like somehow when Bert was looking for tennis balls, I was just like, oh, it's the tennis balls episode. I'm like, it's not the tennis <laughs> balls episode. That's one line in the middle of this. But that just... That just hit me. Yeah, <laughs> you never know what it's going to be. <laughs> Remember the airline um, safety video? Yeah. That's like a plot. That's in there. I even forgot about it now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's sort of... It's in here. They leave it behind because it's not important. That's true. Yeah, it's, it just means that he got a gig that he didn't... Yeah, right. We don't need to see Which anymore. Which spurs us into this. And who this. knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see more of the airline safety video later. That's true. You'll have to listen to the next episode to find out. <laughs> Folks, rise guys, rise gals, thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment, and I pray that you do, please give us a review over at Apple Podcasts. Rate us, review us, subscribe to the podcast. It helps spread the word that we are doing this and helps bring new listeners. Also, you can tweet at us, at MadAboutYouPod. We're very active on there. Uh, You can Facebook us, at MadAboutYouPod. You can email us, madaboutupod at gmail.com. Those are the three ways to get in touch with us right now. And we love hearing we from you. We want to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's let's build a web of people who like this podcast and this show, shall we? Especially now that we know we got more episodes coming. 
There's a lot to talk about, everybody. I'm going to talk about it with you. So, we have a theme song. It sounds like this. It's by Mr. John D. Ivy. Thank you so much, John. And our logo is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. He's on Twitter at Nathan D-I-F-F-E-E. Thank you, Nathan. And our sound is mixed by Mr. Vuk Yovanovich. Thank you, Vuk. Thank you, Vuk. John, we'll do this again. Yeah, next week. Great. In two weeks or whatever it is. Two weeks. We'll do this soon. We'll do it at some point. You'll hear it in two weeks. You'll, yes, yes, you'll... We'll do it a month from now. You'll hear it in two weeks. It comes out when it comes out, okay? (laughs) Rise, guys and rise, gals. Thanks so much. This has been another Mad About Mad About You. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And this this is is what what we're we're saying. saying.